He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We all too easily read sacred scripture or hear it read to us without thinking about it too deeply. We shouldn't, certainly should not permit it to pass by without our understanding it, either understanding the Latin being spoken or following a translation that we can understand. And so this scene in the town of Nain, we've heard before. We may know that Nain is a, a little village that would have been visible from Nazareth. Nazareth is, is built on a, on a hill in the shape of a hook. And, and from much of that hilltop town of Nazareth, you could look down to the south across the Valley of Jezreel, south, southeast just a little bit, and there's just a tiny, tiny little village of Nain. And imagine what we've just heard. A funeral is taking place. A widow is about to bury her only child. People are carrying the bier, the dead body, prepared for burial. And a man walks up and has the audacity to say, don't cry and has the audacity to touch the dead body wrapped for burial. Allow your imagination to play out the various possibilities beyond what St. Luke describes for us. Were some people incredulous at the, at the actions of this, of this man who dares to stop a, a funeral in Mediares, who dares to touch the sacred remains about to be buried. Are these, are these people who know that this is the son of Joseph and Mary? Nazareth wasn't too far away. Are these people who are like the people of Nazareth who wanted to throw our Lord off the brow of that hill? Who are even more incensed that he, he, he dares to intrude upon this sacred ritual. He, he couldn't even do the same just nearby. Refused to even. And maybe even out of, out of loyalty to their town of Nazareth would have been that much more Outraged and ready to do violence to him. Are these people who, who already knew him, who already followed him, listened to his teaching, had followed him and seen miracles, and who are who are crying? If if you had if you had been here earlier, this this would not have happened. Why why are you coming now and not earlier? But since St. Luke describes no ill reaction, it's also possible that these people were so overwhelmed in grief and so trusting 
that they were just simply docile. They had no, they had no defenses. Whatever he wanted to do, he would be permitted to do. To handle the dead is something that we perhaps read about in the Old Testament, hear about in the New Testament, but think of it as something apart from ordinary experience. It helps that yesterday is the relatively new feast day of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta. Every one of us, except for the the children under 25 years of age, always knew Mother Teresa, always knew her as the living saint, the holiest person in the world. Her still being only beatified and not canonized perhaps is even more signs of her humility, even in heaven. But if you were to look her up and try to find information about her, you might see what appears the case to my eyes, which is that she's already been just simply stuffed in that category of saint. Whether you look her up on the web or even just, even just read the homily of Pope St. John Paul II at her beatification, and it reads like that, that bland account of a holy life, a young person dedicated, dedicated to God at an early age, prayed a lot, entered religious life, did good things, cared for the poor, and then died and went to heaven. If we read what was written about her while she was still alive, then we, we find the really interesting details. Soon after her being awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, Life magazine sent a photographer to spend a month with Mother. And the photographer's own words describe something almost as amazing as what St. Luke wrote about our Lord in name. Throngs of beggars, students, tourists, and passers-by crowd the ancient streets of Calcutta. It is here that the destitute of India come to die, for devout Hindus wish to be cremated on the steps of the sacred river. The old railroad station is littered with the bodies of those who spent their last strength to get here. Nearby is Nirmalhire, the hospice for the dying that Mother Teresa created on the grounds of a temple to the Hindu goddess, dark mother of death and destruction. When the poor arrive at the hospice, filthy and eaten by vermin and diseased, they are washed, their hair is cut, and their wounds dressed. As sunlight streams down, the sisters and brothers help them get better, or at least try to give them a measure of peace before death. And almost half of the people do die. Their bodies are taken to the hospital morgue. Most people's gentle acceptance of death is amazing. A nun told me, they are all people completely alone, very sick and with no one. The men die much faster than the women. The women take a long time to die. Pus, blood, vomit, urine, screams, sad and vacant faces. The sisters never stop working. 
they are gentle and kind. Each time I ask something, the sister tells me, it is God's work, don't you see? You should put down your camera and do some work. In the women's room, nuns mop and bathe the women, excrement everywhere. The little blind girl looks like a concentration camp victim. Her arms are like broomsticks, her chest skeletal. There are several new patients, their legs drawn up like fetuses. Some can't control their bodily functions. That's often the most sad because they realize their loss of control and are ashamed. The women are fed lots of food. The sisters mop up again, then medicine, injections, clean beds, then lunch of fish, vegetables, and rice. At 3.30, there is cleanup again. The nuns work so hard, oblivious to the most terrible sights and smells. And then quoting Mother herself, Our work is only the expression of the love we have for God. To us, what matters is an individual. Every person is Christ for me. And since there is only one Jesus, that person is the one person in the world at that moment. I wouldn't touch a leper for a thousand pounds, yet I willingly care for him for the love of God. To be so unflinching in the face of death, to be so confident that to love someone with Christ's love will bring them to desire the sacraments and to die in the state of grace, to be undeterred by every unclean human function, that's, that's how our moms and dads loved us when they were changing our diapers. And that's how God still loves us. Remember, our Lord used the word death only to describe a soul dead in mortal sin, a soul that would be separated from God forever if it died in that condition. And before this mystery, our Lord is victorious and unwavering. He offers us health and life. Before the stench of our sins, he does not turn away. He knows our thoughts, and he still loves us. He knows the temptations to which we've consented, our bad thoughts and the evil things we wish we could do, and he still loves us. When we were dead to sin, he died for us on the cross. There are quite a few people, it's hard to know how many, who do quote-unquote, works of charity that really aren't about love at all. It's a condescending disdain for those filthy people and out of a desire to do something about that unsightliness. True Christian charity begins with receiving the love of God, being humbled by the love of God, being conquered by him, allowing him to heal our soul, to approach him for mercy, and forgiveness of sins, to be healed by him, and then to love others in the same way. Regardless of their sin, regardless of their wretchedness, to love them, to pick them up, and to bring them to our Lord. And then the words of the prophet come true. 
a glimpse of which we heard in the intuit. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag and then the tongue of the mute will sing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.